Welcome to the Bravo Papers, a safe space for all us Bravo fans who love to analyze, deconstruct, and talk about our favorite Bravo shows ad nauseum. There's no such thing as overanalyzing or reading too much into your favorite Bravo shows and Bravo celebrities here. So join me, Bravo and Botox, as I find the depth amongst the shallow. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bravo Papers. I almost forgot the name of my own podcast. And we are continuing our deep dive into the Richards sisters. So let's pick up right where we left off. We ended the last episode with talking about Kim Richards and her life as a child actor and that, you know, she'd been through a lot of trauma, you know, child actor friends who died of drug overdoses, etc. And, you know, it was all very sad. I think it all kind of points to what she's dealt with as an adult. Um, and now we're going to kind of move on to part two. And we're going to be starting with Big Kathy. So according to House of Hilton, Big Kathy was out of control, quote unquote, at this point. So cheating on her husband, um, her husband being just if you need a little refresher, her husband being Ken Richards, who is Kyle and Kim's father. Um, apparently she was supposed to meet him at the airport one day, didn't show up. So he took a cab, he came home. And when he got home, she was in bed with someone else and not long after had his first heart attack. So I'm assuming that means he had, uh, other heart attacks later. Sylvia Richards, which who's his wife after Kathy claims that at a Christmas party, she saw Big Kathy sitting with a Harlem Globetrotter who Kathy introduced Sylvia to. And that player later told her, you know, that whenever he comes into town, him and Big Kathy hook up. Okay, then. <laughs> so I'm just going to read you a little something from the book here. Give me one sec. Okay, so this, the reason I want to read this excerpt, it's on, on, from page 93 of this book, is because it has caused quite a stir on social media and it has birthed many rumors about Kim Richards and her time as a child actor, as well as Big Kathy's involvement in, you know, all of it. Okay. So other times Kim had to pick up her mother and sometimes she and her sisters were made to perform for Big Kathy's men friends, according to John Jackson, a former boyfriend of Kim's and father of one of her four children. The way she controlled Kim was just unbelievable, says Jackson. 
Kim used to tell me stories of when she was 12 and 13 and 14 years old and how she'd drive the family car and go pick up her mom at different bars, he asserts. Her mom would have men all o- men over all the time on different nights of the week, and she'd make Kim perform for them, do her little skits and dance. Her mom would have her basically perform on cue. She was that typical frustrated mother of a child star living through her children. Okay. Okay. So the reason I want to address this is because, you know, this was one of those things that gave way to a lot of other rumors. I I think it's been taken out of context and I have seen it, you know, float around where on the internet where people try to say that Kim had to do like sexual favors for men in Hollywood, basically. And, you know, that's not what it says. It says perform, seemingly in terms of acting, type of performing. But it has gotten around that, you know, I I think because of that, and there's another mention of, of Big Kathy kind of teaching her daughters, like, how to be good at sex. So I think it's kind of become this narrative online that Big Kathy sort of, I don't know, like put her daughters out there to do sexual things for men in Hollywood if it would like further their career. I've seen that narrative. I've seen it on Reddit and in a lot of other places as well. So I just wanted to read the passage as it is so that we can kind of just acknowledge the fact that it's, you know, acting, performing, quote unquote. I don't want to take it as anything else or turn it into anything else. Do I think that Kim Richards was possibly a victim of sexual abuse or assault at some point as a child actor? I think she may have been just because it was so, unfortunately, so common, especially at that time. And a lot of these people could get away with it and use their positions of power and their age, their age. And, you know, it was unfortunately more of a common thing still going on. Just, you know, probably even worse back then. Right. So anyways, I just wanted to address that. However, it does not say anything anywhere in the book about Kim's mother, like, pimping her out or anything like that. So I just wanted to address that. Um, Now, at this point, Kim was generating, like, an enormous income for her family, like, seven figures. And, you know, that was being spent. And... It was being spent, you know, by Big Kathy and the family. And Kim's father's career at this time was not doing well. So I do think that this is what Kim is often referring to. Because on the show, on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, there have been times where Kim makes reference to kind of carrying the family. And then Kyle's like, well, you know, I I was a child actor too. My dad made a good living. He did, but there was this sort of downtrodden time. 
And his daughter, um, Diane, says that it's partly because of the trouble that he was having with his wife, Big Kathy, at home. Um, So they did have to use Kim's money to pay the bills. Apparently, Kathy took, Big Kathy took most of the money that Kim was making. And Kathy's friend or old friend, Jane Halloran, who I've referred to in part one, says that Big Kathy was bad-mouthing Ken a lot, saying she hated him, he was worthless, I want to get rid of him. And, you know, they began the cycle of separating. So the marriage was not going well. Uh, Apparently, Ken had to sleep in the maid's quarters. They fought over the girls' careers. Um, And Big Kathy didn't want to officially divorce him because he wanted custody of the daughters, or sorry, he wanted 50% of the custody of the daughters. And, you know, Kim was making a lot of money. And Big Kathy didn't want to give up any of that control. So if she didn't get full custody or she had to share with Ken, that would be you know, that's something that she wanted to avoid at all costs. However, despite her attempts to alienate Ken, Kim and Kyle loved him. And according to, you know, Diane and Sylvia later begged Sylvia to marry him because they thought, you know, he needed someone and she was good for him. So I'm just going to read you a little paragraph here about how <laughs> about how they finally got Big Kathy to sign the divorce papers. Okay, so um just before Ken went into the operating room, so he was having a surgery in relation to his heart disease. Um okay, our lawyer called Kathleen's lawyer and told him that if he didn't sign the divorce papers before Ken had surgery, and if Ken didn't survive, that he would sue her on my behalf take and take everything for myself and the children. I don't think Kathleen, who was in the hospital, thought Ken was going to live. So when the call came in from her lawyer, she literally tore out of the hospital room and finally signed the divorce papers after nine years. So I guess the idea was that um, he had given Sylvia power of attorney. So she, Big Kathy, was worried about what Sylvia, having power of attorney, was going to do if he died and, you know, they still weren't officially divorced. So that was what kind of got her um, to sign the papers. However, the heart surgery was successful and Ken lived at that time. So at this time, Sylvia also claims that Little Kathy was calling her and telling her that when she wasn't at the hospital, Big Kathy was going to visit him and that he was telling Big Kathy that, you know, he's still in love with her and he still wants to be with her, which apparently was not true, but she was saying it just to kind of taunt her. So, you know, more word that Little Kathy is kind of a lot like Big Kathy in that they both enjoy hurting people. Um, you know, it's also said that little Kathy basically ignored him. And even though he raised her since she was three, you know, there was a, a family christening event where uh, Baron and Marilyn Hilton 
graciously flew Ken and Sylvia to New York for the event and dinner. And during the dinner, little Kathy said, I'd like to see you and mom and Ken go to bed together. I know who would win that game, which is such a freaking weird comment to say to, <laughs> to your dad's new wife. I mean, I know that technically it's not her dad, but like he raised her since she was three. So he's her father figure. But I guess it was like, okay, my mom is better in bed than you are, which is just the weirdest thing to say. Although, you know, Kathy Hilton does say weird things. So there's that. Um, You know, they later found out that Big Kathy allegedly forged Ken's signature to sell a valuable piece of land that he owned. Um, he could have sued her and, you know, maybe had her put in jail, but apparently didn't because, you know, for the sake of Kyle and Kim, because they love their mother and he didn't want to kind of mess things up. So in the divorce settlement, Kathleen, so Big Kathy got the Bel Air home um, so that it wouldn't uproot Kim and Kyle. And they were supposed to get part of the proceeds of the house, apparently, but never saw a dime. And Ken said that he regretted giving it to Kathy. So there's that. <laughs> so I don't know. I think we're going to see kind of more in the timeline what happens. But Ken and Sylvia did get married eventually. Um, Big Kathy did not let Kim and Kyle attend, which apparently devastated them. And they really wanted to attend. So around this time, Kim Richards was also starting a relationship with somebody who you all might remember, and I did too, which is George M. Brinson, a.k.a. Monty, who came from a wealthy family. Um, I think Monty had made appearances on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, if I'm remembering correctly, um, that he was like you know, a young love for her, father of one of her children, and she was taking care of him when he had cancer on the show, which he did, um, which he did die from. And that was really hard for Kim. Um, so she was dating him. She also was, were, was dating, you know, other wealthy men, you know, as encouraged by her mother, such as John Davis, who was from a billionaire oil family. Um, Monty said he thought once that Kim was going to babysit Paris and Nikki, but really she was being fixed up with John. So Kim was really being influenced to do this because of how much money Davis's family had, um, you know, by Big Kathy, because, you know, she's going to try to push Kim into the arms of whoever has the most funds. Uh, that being said, Kim still married Monty and had a shotgun wedding because she was pregnant. <laughs> so much like her mother, um, who did that when she was married, or when, yeah, when she married her first husband because she was pregnant with little Kathy, Kim kind of did the same thing. Um, and Mickey Katane, who is, we'll get into that later, but um, from Big Kathy's I think the son of Big Kathy's fourth husband, I think. Anyways, recalls that Monty had bought uh, Kim a ring and then he had to go return it because Big Kathy felt that it wasn't big enough and didn't approve of the size. So there's that. 
Um, Kim and Monty, you know, they started a production company. Like they were both like in into this the entertainment business. It was called Brinson Richards Entertainment, and apparently they started it with Big Kathy, who thought you know she'd be a big part of it. But they only produced one film called Escape, which was apparently highly unsuccessful and a flop. Um, unfortunately, much like their marriage, which did not work out. Um, so allegedly Kim cheated on Monty because she went, she went out with some friends. He thought he went to go find her, saw her holding hands with another man, that man being Greg Davis, who was John Davis's brother. So John Davis from the billionaire oil family, who she had been kind of semi set up with, I guess, by Kathy and Rick Hilton. Um, so she was kind of running around with his brother, Greg. Um, and, you know, because of this and other issues they were having, Kim and Monty got divorced. However, you know, they shared custody of Brooke, their first child, and the exes remained friends, as we saw on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, Big Kathy was thrilled about all this because he was from a very rich family. So not just wealthy, but like rich, rich, rich. And the family that he was from was actually said to be the inspiration for the show Dynasty um, and that it was loosely based on the Davis family. So they were super rich, you know, servants, cars, private jets, mansions, including they had one mansion that was 45,000 square feet. Um, and apparently little Kathy was seemed a little threatened by this and had once stated that, you know, the Hiltons were better because they were old money and the Davises were new money. <laughs> However, Big Happy, Big Kathy was happy because she liked the Davises because one, they're filthy rich, but secondly, they had more like glitz, glamour and Hollywood connections since they were more uh, new money, unlike the Hiltons who were old money. So... Kim's wedding to Greg was like this elaborate and humongous, quote unquote, wedding. They were gifted a home from his family, which was a mansion located near, you know, big estates like the Playboy Mansion and the Davis family's 45,000 square foot estate, which they called the Knoll. Um, Kim and her husband apparently as well spent like crazy. They love to go shopping, which... Uh, apparently this is much like little Kathy and, and Kyle, which we all know. Um, you know, Kim had two kids with him, with Greg, which was Whitney and Chad. And uh, Kim decided to retire from acting so that she could, you know, just be a full-time mom. But she did work off and on over the years. So she wasn't like, like she retired, quote unquote, but like not really retired. Um, Kim's mother-in-law was said to be a lot like Big Kathy. That's the most interesting part. You know, she was very controlling. She called the shots. Like, she would, like, demand that they come over to her house at the drop of a hat. Like, she would call and Kim would be like, well, we have people over. We're in the middle of something. And she would be like, too bad. Get over here now. Like, apparently, like, extremely demanding. And Sylvia Richards, who is, like, Kim's stepmom, um, who married Kim's dad after Kathy, said that it was really Kim's mother-in-law that broke up that marriage because she was so controlling and demanding. And 
it just, it broke up the marriage. Kim couldn't take it. Um, so they did eventually get divorced and John Jackson, who was Kim's next boyfriend after she separated, says that Greg's parents actually had given them, given him an ultimatum that he either leave Kim, because I guess they didn't like Kim and her family, or face being cut off from the Davis family fortune, and he chose the latter. (laughs) So, Big Kathy, on the other hand, tried desperately to keep the marriage together for Kim, for the money, and, you know, apparently was constantly, like, chastising Kim, like, you didn't do the right thing, you weren't, like, good enough kind of wife and stuff in order to... um, you know, satisfy the in-laws and the family. Like, she really wanted this marriage to work. But they did divorce, and allegedly Kim got $20,000 a month until 2009, and then it would be $23,000 a month until she remarries. So, yeah. After the divorce, so that's, you know, a pretty good chunk. Um, But after the divorce, uh, Big Kathy tried to set Kim up, (laughs) apparently, with an Arab prince, and borrowed his Mercedes and totaled it while under the influence. That is just a little anecdote. I don't know if it's true. Like everything in this book, you know, we're going to take with a grain of salt. Um, Big Kathy also, also tried to set up Kim with other rich men like Donald Trump, which we know that one's true because there are pictures of them together. Um, and apparently Rick and Kathy were friends with him and socialized with him. Uh, according to the book, Trump was very into Kim, but she was not feeling him, and I don't blame her. After her divorce, though, Kim dated John Collette, a criminal who was, and again, we did hear about this on Beverly Hills, a criminal who was murdered, it was a hired hit, uh, while he was on the phone talking to Kim. So Kim was in love, and she was absolutely devastated by his death. Um, But yeah, she was literally on the phone with him when someone came up and, well, the hired hitman came up and shot him twice in the head point blank and was paid to do that. So that is pretty wild. Um, She was obviously another, you know, traumatic event and something, you know, revolving around death that I'm sure didn't help Kim with some of her addiction issues and problems that she's struggled with. Um, she met her next boyfriend through, so, I mean, Kim had no problem finding boyfriends, clearly, but she met her next boyfriend through her, this is a weird story, through her late boyfriend's mother. So that guy who got shot, John Colette, his mother was selling his bike after he died and I guess met this man, um, John Jackson, and was like, you should call Kim. I think you guys would really get along. And he did, and they started dating. So they never married, but, and I wonder if they never married so that Kim could continue to get her 23000 a month. I wonder. I don't know. They never married, but Kim had um, a kid, Kimberly, and yeah, they were like living the fast life, like jet-setting, traveling. They eventually broke up. Jackson says it was because of Big Kathy. So I'm going to read this quote from him about why him and Kim broke up. Okay, so... Okay, Jackson blames many of Kim's issues on Big Kathy. 
She was 100% the problem, he says. Kim's a spitting image of her mother in every way. The amorality and the drinking, the revolving door of men who she, Big Kathy, had in her life when Kim was with me, and just the conniving craziness about her, and the way she, Kim, spent money like water. Kathy was that typical frustrated mother of a child star who lived through her children. And Jackson believes, without a doubt, that Kathy Hilton is the same kind of mother with Paris. Okay. So again, you know, that is Kim's ex talking. So, you know, oftentimes in life, an ex doesn't have good things to say. So again, we'll take that with a grain of salt. There's two sides to every story. I'm sure Kim has her own version of why they broke up. Um, but Jackson, there's another thing that Jackson said that really stuck with me. He also said that he was struck by how, quote unquote, bitchy the sisters were and Big Kathy. Like they would get joy out of making fun of people, would go shopping, make fun of other women's outfits, and even says that he heard the occasional racial and anti-Semitic slurs. So, I mean, I think there's some truth to this because let's think about, first of all, Kyle in the beginning seasons and Kim in the beginning seasons of BH. I think Kyle learned how to put on a more likable persona on a reality show, but I think at the beginning she wasn't as good as it, as good at it. And in the first few seasons, there are definitely some like real sometimes where Kim and Kyle really are mean girls. Best example is Brandy. Brandy comes on the show, she's pretty, she's younger, and they go in on her. Like say what you want about Brandy. This was when they first met her. They didn't know anything, etc. They were so mean like that game night party, they were so mean to Brandy. Like they were such mean girls, hiding her crutches. And I know Brandy like fought back and was like, at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night, bitch. But it was kind of warranted. Like they were being so rude to her. Like just even Kyle being like, I don't want to be on her team and like saying it right in front of her when she was new to the group. I can just see it. I really can see the two of them just, you know, just being snarky, talking, you know, in whispers when the person's right there, just all that. I could see that. And then, I mean, there are, there is like video evidence of Paris Hilton using racial slurs and, you know, there's been possible talk of Kathy Hilton doing that too. I know it came from Rinna, so we don't trust Rinna. However, you know, I'm not on Rinna's side with what happened last season because mostly because Rinna doesn't give a shit about racism, fairness, anything like that. Rinna just wanted to take down Kathy, so I think her intentions were bad, which is why no one cared about what she said. But is it possible that Kathy still used those slurs at the club or whatever? It's definitely possible. Definitely, definitely possible. <laughs> both both things can be true. Um, all right, so I also want to read you something about O.J. Simpson connection. So when O.J. went on trial... Kathy invited virtually all the key figures, as Jackson remembers, from prosecutor Marsha Clark to Simpson houseboy Brian Cato Kalin. Every time Kim and I went, there was a new person on the OJ end. Simpson dream team attorney Robert Shapiro, Simpson pal and defense attorney Robert Kardashian, 
Another trial player who became a friend of Kathy Hilton's was Faye Resnick. Victim Nicole Brown Simpson's so-called best friend, a one-time cocaine user who parlayed her role in the case into a nude layout in Playboy and a book deal. Okay. The morally corrupt Faye Resnick. (laughs) So, yeah, it seems like Kathy was, like, really into the, you know the trial and what was happening and wanted like the inside information. So it makes sense. You know, she had all these people over and we know that Kathy Hilton is friends with, um, what's her name? Chris Jenner. So that all, it all tracks, all of it tracks. Right. And we see like Kyle's friends with Faye, like it just all is interconnected. I just thought that was interesting that, yeah, I could see like Kathy Hilton being like using this as almost like a form of entertainment. I could, I mean, a lot of people did, let's be fair, um, but I could just see that. So moving along, Jack Catane was, is it Catane or Catan? I feel like it's Catan. I'm going with Catan, okay? If you think it's Catane, because it's A-I-N, then just, you know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can DM me if you want. Um, so Jack Catane, Catan, oh God, okay, was Big Kathy's next husband. He was a hot-tempered mobster who was linked to um, the Philadelphia mafia godfather, Angelo Bruno, who was murdered the same year Big Kathy and Catan got married. Um, they, they met, they got married a year later, and Big Kathy loved how he was like a tough guy and he treated her rough. And Big Kathy's friend, Jane Halloran, says that Big Kathy was really excited about him. She was, you know, thought he was like so hot because he was like this tough mafioso. She liked the danger, which I mean, that kind of tracks based on what we're hearing about Big Kathy is like she's very into like chaos and drama and you know, nothing's, she doesn't make anything easy, including her relationships, right? Okay, so Mickey, who is um, Jack's son, said basically Kathy and her kids were gold diggers because she trained them that way. So so that was his, part of his interview for the book. Um, apparently Jack gave Big Kathy a lot of expensive jewelry, including a 15K diamond ring. And Big Kathy was the only woman in Katane's life who refused to give the ring back when they were over. She kept it, which that would make sense. (laughs) Um, Big Kathy apparently tried to stay, you know, exciting for him. She would never let him see her without makeup, um, you know, like always be like trying to be sexy, all that kind of stuff. But despite it, he still, you know, he was a mobster, like he still chased other women, cheated, whatever. And she was really jealous and apparently spied on him and one time climbed the fence at his house and saw him with another woman. But when she did this, she fell and injured herself and then was like limping around for like a week. Um, which, and you may be like, well, why did they have separate houses if they were married? Well, they did actually maintain separate residences and they kind of liked it that way. Like it was like part of, I don't know, the excitement of their relationship. Cause this was obviously like a dysfunctional, dramatic relationship. Um, and apparently she would like go out of her way to make him jealous by flirting with guys right in front of him. They would get into these like screaming arguments and he would be basically like, go home. 
and they would go home to their, you know, they'd fight and they'd go home to their separate residences. And around this time is when little Kathy, this was all around the time. So the timeline's kind of all over the place because it goes, the book goes more by like relationship or career. So there'll be focus on like, let's talk about Kim's career. Let's talk about like Kim's marriages. Let's talk about Kyle's marriages. Then let's go back to big Kathy. So it doesn't go in chronological order. So just keep that in mind. Um, however, this would have been around the time where little Kathy started to get serious with Rick, even though we know like they eventually get married and all that. But once she married him, she was kind of unhappy about big Kathy being with this mobster because that doesn't look good to the like old money Hilton family. Right. Um, and, you know, she felt like, OK, I'm married into the Hilton family. I'm like part of the upper crest um, Kim and Kyle were basically numb to their mother's behavior at this point. So they were just like, whatever, if she's dating a mobster. But because of little Kathy's impending marriage, big Kathy kept her relationship very low key. And this was also part of the reason that they didn't share the same residence because big Kathy wanted to ensure that little Kathy was going to nail down Rick and secure that marriage, which is interesting. Um, Big Kathy's friend Jan Halloran also said that she, you know, when their relationship started to get kind of rocky, she got the feeling that he was maybe threatening Big Kathy's life. Um, and when she broke up with him, he actually took a lot of her money. And despite Big Kathy being the one who's always like screwing with the guys that she's with, this was one case where there was nothing she could do. She, you know, he took a lot of her money and she had to deal with it. And her daughters were, you know, essentially on their own at this point. So little Kathy's like almost married or getting married. Um, and meanwhile, you know, Kim and Kyle are still younger, etc. And, you know, they're still kind of working Hollywood. And Big Kathy went looking for the next rich husband, as you do. And, <laughs> and she started going to... Palm Springs and checking out the older dudes in their 70s and 80s. Okay, so at this point, Big Kathy's got like a wild reputation. Okay, she's like got a bad reputation in Beverly Hills. She's dated everyone. You know, she's not meeting someone there. So she went to Palm Springs and she's looking for like these older men who have money. And she meets Robert C. Fenton Jr., who was a quote-unquote silver fox and was a widower and had, you know, become like kind of a Casanova in his uh, widower days where he's like, you know, an eligible bachelor dating lots of women, whatever. Um, but some of her friends, some of actually Big Kathy's friends, ironically, didn't like him so they felt when Big Kathy started dating Robert that he was out to get her money and that he saw her as like a ticket to the Hiltons and thought that maybe he could gain access to the Hilton family wealth through her, which he was wrong about. Um, his daughters did not like Big Kathy 
Because she, on the other hand, also thought that Fenton was loaded and she wanted some of his money. Okay, the ironic part, which we'll get to later, is that neither of them were that rich. (laughs) So they both just kind of like used each other and were wrong. Um, Not that they're like dirt poor, but they're, you know, she's not Hilton status and he's not like this rich, rich older man. So the daughters didn't like her. And apparently they even refused to even meet her ever, which is pretty wild. So at one point, um, Big Kathy declared war on his daughters. She made him cut off one of his daughters because he was helping one of his daughters with her very costly divorce. So he was helping his daughter pay the uh, legal fees. And even though it was a loan and she was going to be call- uh, paying him back, she made him call his daughter, allegedly. And again, you know, you can't force someone to do anything. Like, if he agreed to it, then, you know, that's still his own fault. He's letting himself get easily manipulated by this woman. So, and that doesn't also mean that she wasn't manipulative and maybe held things over his head. Like, well, I'm your wife now, so, you know, the finances are partly mine, right? So, you know, they're both to blame. I just want to put that out there. So, anyways, she made him call the daughter, cut her off. Um... Big Kathy also convinced him to sell his house. He had purchased this with his wife before she died. She had cancer. And the proceeds on the house were 250K, which Big Kathy wanted to renovate her house. (laughs) And yeah, so that's what happened. He sold the house. She took the profits and she spent it all on renovating her house which I think was fully in her name and he didn't have any ownership over. So that's that was not a smart choice on your part, Robert. Um, now, okay, so just we're going to fast forward a little to a little future story. So years later, when Big Kathy was out of the picture, apparently Robert told his daughter that she... He said to her, you can have mom's engaged diamond engagement ring. And his daughter was like, you already gave it to me. And he was like, no, I didn't. So apparently he gave her like a fake one. And the reason he did this was because he told his daughter and Big Kathy came up with this plan that Big Kathy had said, "Okay, let her have her mother, her dead mother's ring. But really her intention, Big Kathy's intention was to keep it and like give a fake one to the daughter from my understanding. And this was like a way that Robert and Big Kathy were trying to get his daughters to like Big Kathy. So yeah, so the daughter in the book says like she was stunned years later when she found out like, okay, now you're actually getting your mother's ring. Like now that I divorced that Kathy woman. So that's a pretty wild story. (laughs) Um, Fenton's daughters also say his obliviousness, which, you know, sometimes I don't like that. Like a lot of times we make these excuses for men like, oh, they're just oblivious or men are so stupid, but like they know what they're doing. I don't think he was oblivious. I think, you know, he was a little greedy himself is what it sounds like to me because they say his oblivious was because of her connection to the Hiltons. 
Um, she played it up a lot. He liked to hang out with Rick and getting to stay with them at the Waldorf. He was impressed with Kyle and Kim being child stars. Um, you know, he recalled that, like, uh, Kathy and Rick sent him $500 for his birthday. So, like, you know, just to his daughters, like, uh, it's hard to feel that bad for him because he was sort of, like, mesmerized by the money. Like, I think him and Big Kathy were sort of one in the same that doesn't mean that Big Kathy wasn't also at fault. It's just they kind of both were. They were both gold diggers in a sense. Um, and they kind of played each other, which is sort of what they both deserved. <laughs> um, meanwhile, apparently Big Kathy was starting to treat him like dirt, boasting about how she doesn't do shit for him. She's not going to travel with him. She won't cook for him. You know, he tried to buy her, like, a nice gift from Costco. <laughs> it was a watch. She was unimpressed. I mean, come on. Costco has good watches. Whatever. Anyways, she made him return it for a barbecue, which, I mean, to be fair, a barbecue is a lot more useful. But, yeah, I guess she didn't appreciate a non-designer watch from Costco. So there's that. Um, now, Larry Avanzino... Uh, who was little Kathy's father. So if you remember him, he was big Kathy's very first husband that she got pregnant with Kathy Hilton. He was abusive um, and he never had any role in little Kathy's life. Um, so apparently he was in a vegetative state, quote unquote, because he was viciously assaulted and smashed in the head with a baseball bat and knocked down a flight of stairs. Crazy. Um, he rarely had contact with his daughter or her children, so he wasn't, like, involved in Kathy Hilton or Paris or Nikki's lives, um, but he died. And, you know, in their world, like, they didn't talk about him. Like, Big Kathy didn't talk about him. You know, Paris and Nikki didn't know about him. Like, there was no mention. And two months after he died, Kim and Kyle's father... Uh, Ken Richards was stricken with cancer of the kidneys, which had spread to his lungs and bones. He was just scraping by. He, you know, he didn't have a lot. He didn't really have any money. It sounds like he had like nothing at this point. He was living on his social security. And Sylvia had like a small salary. She was like, you know, like worked at like in retail, like at a store. So this, they did not have money. Um, he couldn't work anymore. And according to Sylvia, and again, you know, we take everything with a grain of salt because this is from people's perspectives who were involved. So everyone has a side to the story. But Sylvia says that he was virtually abandoned by Kathy and his daughters. Now, I don't really fully agree with that because as you'll see as we get in later, Kyle and Kim do step up in some ways during this time. Um... He was desperate for help, though. He contacted Kathy Hilton and Rick in New York and explained and tried to borrow money. Um, Sylvia says he had to beg, like literally beg. However, they did agree and they loaned him 10K, but said he had to pay it back. And they never once came to see him, called to ask him how he's doing, etc. even though he was the man that raised little Kathy. So, you know, Sylvia says that little Kathy is just like big Kathy and was trained well and has no soul just like her mother. <laughs> so that is what Sylvia says. Now, I've heard things, you know, I think Kathy does, 
a lot of people are like, oh, that role, that caricature that Kathy plays on the show is just put on. She's really like this manipulative, monstrous beast. She's not this like dodo, like dummy that doesn't know how to use social media. Da, da, da. I actually think the truth is kind of in the middle. I think she has two sides or even more than that. You know, people, humans are very nuanced and layered. I I could see that Kathy probably does have like this really harsh, you know, kind of manipulative boss side to her where she could be cold and like kind of F you side. And like she knows what she's doing, you know, with Paris and Paris's career and making sure that like, you know, Paris is the is fulfilling the fame part. Nikki fulfilled the like marrying very well part. Right. So it's like she's doing exactly what Big Kathy trained her to do. So I do think she's like a lot smarter, savvier. And I think when she's mad at someone, I think she can be scary, which is, I think, why part of the reason that Kyle's like having a breakdown when they're in a fight. I also think at the same time, she is kind of a ditz a little bit. You know, it is it is kind of remarked in the book how she wasn't that bright. I could see her. Yeah. You could be that way and you could also get confused about how to DM someone on social media. That's it. Those two things can work together. You can also have a good sense of humor and enjoy making fun of things. Like, you don't have to just be one. People are not just one thing. So anyways, I could see that, you know, I don't think Little Kathy is all like light, fun and games. You know, the the part that we saw her portrayed as on the show. I just, I don't believe that that's all there is to her. Um, so anyways, Sylvia at her wits end called Kyle and Mauricio who lived in Beverly Hills to see if they could stay with them for a while while, um, their, while Kyle's dad, Ken was treated at a nearby hospital. They agreed. So I just want to put that out there because I felt like they were kind of trying to say like Kyle and Kim just did nothing, but they did agree to that. Um, at this time, this is while, by the way, this is when Mauricio was a broker at Rick Hilton's real estate agency, which he conveniently likes to not mention. Anyways, but uh, when they got to the hospital that they were supposed to transfer him to, they had not, the hospital had not reserved the room for him. So they had to find him somewhere else. And Kyle's mother-in-law, who we have seen on the show here and there, um, set him up at Cedar sinai where he ended up staying for three weeks. So after that, he needed somewhere to go and to stay. And at this time, uh, Sylvia accepted a invitation from Kim that he could stay at her house in Calabasas. So Sylvia accepted the invitation. However, it didn't go well. Kim was drinking, according to Sylvia, drunk all the time, making noise, had the kids jumping on the bed and says that they didn't seem to really care that Kim's father needed rest, needed quiet. Sylvia describes Kim as being very selfish, which that, I mean, a lot of times addicts are very selfish when they are not sober and in the throes of their addiction. That's, that's part of, you know, that's part of the disease, unfortunately. However, on the other side, you know, this is Kim's suburban home. She has kids kids are going to be kids. 
Like, it is impossible to have a house full of children and have them not make noise. So I could also see the other side of this, and I could see Kim being like, I understand that he's sick, but my kids still have to live their lives. I could see that. I, you know, they don't need to jump on the bed when he's in it, but it wasn't specified that he was in the bed, just that they would be jumping on the bed. So I don't know. And apparently this is like a nice big home in Calabasas. So it's a little weird to me, like how, I don't know, was there no way to like spread them out? I don't know. Anyways. So apparently though, Ken couldn't take it anymore. He needed like peace and quiet, which that's fair and wanted to return to Sylvia's daughter's home in Las Vegas. So he could, you know, cause that was a more quiet environment. But Kim and Kyle demanded he stay in California. Um, now, Sylvia says they wanted him to stay in California purely for selfish reasons, because they didn't have to travel far when they wanted to visit him and see him. Now, this is another one that I can see both sides of, because, okay, he's sick. He needs to stay somewhere that's quiet and safe and where he can relax and, you know, get rest and all that kind of stuff. No doubt. On the other side, this is their father. They both have a number of children and it's not that easy to just like pick up and jump on a plane and travel to go see him when you have all these kids. And if you want to go see him while he's sick, it's not really conducive to like bringing all these little kids with them. So I could understand why they would be like, well, he's already here in Beverly Hills. Why not just keep him here or figure something else out maybe so that, you know, we can, you know, share some of the weight of taking care of him by being nearby. Because like if he goes to Las Vegas, they can't, they're not going to be able to help out at all. Okay. And again, this is from Sylvia's point of view, right? So, you know, we don't know, like maybe Kim and Kyle did want to help out with his caretaking more. Maybe they did want him close so that they could visit him more often and still be moms to their young kid. Like I can get that. Um, that being said, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were just being selfish and they didn't really give a shit. I don't know. That's hard to believe that they didn't care at all because earlier it said that like they loved their father so much and, you know, they wanted him to marry Sylvia because they thought she was good for him. So I don't know. There's it's a little bit of conflicting perspectives here. Um, so apparently, though, Kim did come to visit in Las Vegas. So... She was dropped off at Sylvia's daughter's house by, according to Sylvia, two strange men who Sylvia wouldn't let in the house. And when she got in, she was, um, you know, drunk and told her that she had been out in Vegas gambling all night. So that's not good, obviously. Um, shortly after Ken Richards died, April 28th, 1998, and According to Sylvia, Kim and Kyle showed up after he was gone. Um, you know, Rick and Kathy phoned. Sylvia said she could hear little Kathy in the background in quote unquote hysterics, demanding that she speak to her dad. But Sylvia kept saying, like, he's gone. Like, you can't talk to him. He's, it's too late. Um, Sylvia feels like she was putting on an act 
because she said prior to his death, like little like Kathy Hilton never made any effort to see him, you know, seemed like callous about lending them the money, didn't want to lend them the money. They had to beg, never came out and flew, had no part in his caretaking. So unlike Kim and Kyle, who did have some part in it and were in contact with him, little Kathy was not. So yeah, so you can see why Sylvia, I you know, if that was the case, I could see why Sylvia really, you know, just was not buying the hysterics. Now, that being said, I can understand why someone would have a breakdown after a death of someone that they were not putting in any effort into having a relationship with. Because... Like, I don't want to go into, like, too much about it, but I do have, you know, a situation in my family where, you know, one of my relatives was not close with their father, not my father, but their father, um, because they just, whatever, they hadn't had a relationship, they hadn't spoken in, like, whatever, 20 years, and then he died, and even though, you know, my relative was not a fan of him, and they hadn't spoken in all the time. She was an absolute mess at the funeral, like, like freaking out, falling down, like needing to be helped walk in the church, like all this stuff. Because sometimes you don't realize and then it's too late and it hits you and you realize the mistake that you've made and that it's too late, maybe, or you realize there's never going to be a chance to mend things. You know, whereas like leading up to it, you're like, yeah, I'll do it later. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but I could see maybe that being the case, especially with somebody like Kathy Hilton, who's maybe so self-involved that, and and I do think I could see Kathy Hilton being the type who takes her time to process her mistakes or she faked the whole thing. So we'll never know. All right. So let's move along here to chapter 15. Um, we're getting towards the end of the House of Hilton. Not towards the end of the book, but we're getting towards the end of the part of the book about the maternal family. So the second half of the book is about the paternal grandparents of Paris Hilton, which I'm not going to be covering. I didn't even read it because, you know, I'm here to talk about the Real Housewives, Beverly Hills connection. So the paternal grandparents, you know, like Rick's family, not really my concern. However, this is not going to be the last part of the Richard sisters because I am going to do another part. And the next part is going to be looking at their lives since they started the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and taking a look at some of the intricacies of their relationship. So I'll get into that in a bit, but let's talk about the um, the kind of end of the road for Big Kathy. So around the same time, Big Kathy found a lump in her breast, which turned out to be malignant cancer, as we know, because we know that's how she passed away. Um, her daughters were obviously devastated because, you know, they lived on her every word, despite the fact that she may have had these like abusive tendencies and that she was very manipulative towards them you know, they still loved her. It's still their mom. And according to 
the book, despite dying, she never missed an opportunity to insult her current husband, Bob Fenton, Robert Fenton. Um, she discovered at this point, I guess, in their marriage that he didn't have as much money as she thought and felt like, you know, he'd really BS'd her. Uh, and he ironically was living off of her who also didn't have that much. So yeah, so she was not, you know, she was not into him. She was not impressed by him. Nonetheless, you know, she was barking orders at him left, right, and center and he was caretaking her. So he did, you know, do the right thing in that sense, um, even though he kind of also used her for money. <laughs> so he, or sorry, Big Kathy was adamantly against having a mastectomy because she, for vanity reasons. Um, she did have surgery to remove the tumor, and then she had chemo and radiation. Um, she was concerned about how she looked. She didn't want to remove her hair during chemo or she didn't want to lose her hair during chemo. Listen, I'm not here to criticize somebody who has cancer about why they don't want to have a mastectomy or, or, you know, if they're upset about losing their hair. I think any woman has any right to not want to have a mastectomy or to be scared of losing their hair. That's normal. Um, there's lots of people who choose maybe not to have a mastectomy when they have breast cancer for a variety of reasons. I also don't know what the surgery was like at this time. I know now it's become much more advanced. And, you know, my mom had a mastectomy and you cannot even tell like where the line is for where they like stitched, like the, like where the plastic surgeon stitched, where like the kind of skin graph was put like you just would never know like it is just amazing how far medical technology has come and how amazing they are at doing this and these honestly like these plastic surgeons now they can really do like these incredible things so you know that was my mom's choice though like she chose to do that she you know she didn't have to do it um but she chose to and that was the route that she chose and, you know, I'm not going to criticize someone for their choice. Um, this is so this is just according to the book. She hated losing her hair. I think a lot of women and men go through that. Um, but Bob was a devoted, what's it called? Husband, I guess, <laughs> to her. He was like a round the clock nurse. And even though she didn't treat him very well, he was really compassionate. So according to his daughters, you know, his first wife died of cancer and he was her caretaker and was there for her. So he was really doing it all over again. And his daughters were, I think, a bit upset about this because they felt like he was being used and they didn't like the fact that now their dad had to go through, you know, taking care of someone who was dying of cancer again, which to be fair, I can understand that. Like, I do think if it was my dad and that was happening, especially if I felt like the wife didn't love him and treated him really badly, I could see, you know, I could see myself also being annoyed with that. However, I could also see his perspective, which is, I married her. That was my choice. So, you know, sickness and in health, you know, I can understand why he did it. Um, so Big Kathy died on March 2nd, 2002, six weeks before her 64th birthday. She died at Kim's house, so I guess she had been moved there a week or so earlier, and Bob Fenton ended up with nothing in the will, 
even though he sold his home to renovate hers and had basically given all his money to her because that was all his money, she, yeah, she didn't leave him anything and his name was not on the house. So, yeah. So him and Big Kathy's house, the one in which he had invested $250,000 in, was left to Kathy, Kim, and Kyle. And this house, as you may remember, is the famous house that we all know about from that iconic scene in the limo. For me? Yeah, yeah, everything I've done for you. Just in case you needed a, uh, a refresher. So. Whew. All right. So Big Kathy died and she left quite a mess. Um, apparently Rob or Bob Fenton was permitted to stay in the house for a year after her death, um, but could not have any female company or he would be evicted. And Kim was even instructed to check in on him and make sure that he didn't have any women over. Um, You know, Big Kathy passed and three years later, Robert Fenton also died from pancreatic cancer. Okay. So that is the end for House of Hilton and for my Richard Sisters Part 2 Deep Dive. I'll be coming back at you with part three. So what I want to go over in part three is the aftermath. As we can see, Big Kathy had a big effect and impact on her three daughters, on who they are as people, on how they act towards friends, towards each other, the way they raise their families, the way they are as mothers. You know, she trained them. She had this, like, almost, I don't know, like Stockholm Syndrome kind of hold over them. And because of that, I think their relationship will never be functional. And I think that that sort of inherent competitiveness that desire to like to please their mother even from the grave is is what's creating the really messed up dynamics that these sisters have going on right it's creating like the closeness and the bond because only they have had that firsthand experience of it and only they know what they went through but then in another way it also creates this sort of like you know, vitriol and sometimes dislike of each other. And it creates their ability to kind of judge each other. You know, are they doing well? Are each other doing what they're supposed to be doing and what mom would want, right? And who is the one who's pleasing mom? Who's doing the best at following what mom would have wanted, right? And I do think that that, in a way, is why Kathy holds the most power of the three of them. Because I think that her life has turned out the most, you know, has turned out to be what Big Kathy would have wanted. Married into the Hiltons with a child 
who has achieved fame beyond what any of these three girls could have ever imagined. Everyone knows who Paris Hilton is. Even, like, just everyone knows, right? Her level of fame is beyond what Kim Richards, Kyle, Kathy Hilton, or any of their other daughters could have ever kind of hoped to imagine. So I think in a lot of ways, that's why Kathy kind of holds the power of the three of them. And that's why when Kyle and Kim fight, it's like they like use Kathy almost, right? Like Kathy would defend me like a real sister, you know, or it's sort of like Kathy's like sometimes in the middle. Sometimes she's not, don't get me wrong. But it, it seems like she is in a lot of cases. So, I mean, you know, Big Kathy's legacy lives on. <laughs> it lives on through Paris and Nikki, and it lives on through watching these girls on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I mean, there is no drama that is like the Richard sisters. There's so much to it, so many layers, and I mean... There's a reason that they bring up and reference their mom so often and not their dad very often at all, because her impact is just like, it's just everlasting, right? So we are going to take a look at that impact as we, as I go through some of the seasons of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you know, observe, dissect, and analyze the relationship and the fights between the girls. And I want to get into who who really stole the house did kyle really steal kim's goddamn house we'll get into that too <laughs> and i'm going to try to look at it without bias you know i like kim better than kyle yes but i don't think that kyle is the like quote unquote bad guy and that kim is the good guy I think they've both made mistakes. I think all three of them have made mistakes and they can all take some of the blame in this dysfunctional relationship. Okay. So I'm going to try to look at it as objectively as I can. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed part two and I will see you for part three, which I will hopefully be able to get out in November, if not early December. I'm working on it, but I've got to go through the seasons and watch them and take notes. And it does take a long time because we're not just talking about like one episode and then doing a recap. We're talking about multiple seasons. Um, I'm on season two, so I'm working away. So until next time, keep overanalyzing Bravo. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend or a hundred friends, whatever you want. You can follow me on Instagram at the Bravo Papers or for my Twitter roundups, follow at Bravo and Botox. If you'd like to support me, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash Bravo and Botox for some much needed caffeine support. And until next time, keep overanalyzing Bravo. Bravo.